Welcome back to What A Hitson. Today I'm joined by my brother Rue to talk about the recent Champions League draw for the knockout stages, as well as reflect on the group stages of the tournament. Welcome back, Rue. It definitely was an interesting draw, especially the mess up from UEFA's end. Uh, it was, because obviously I watched the... Well, I was in work and watched the first um, the first draw. <laughs> and then I uh, was obviously delighted. And I even copped it during the draw. I know, so it was like... Um, when obviously Man United got uh, Villarreal, I was like, "Well, they've they've messed this up already." And then obviously everything else that happened after that. But look, the fair the fair thing was to to redo the draw. Um, obviously for Liverpool, it worked out slightly slightly more probably a more competitive game. I would have said obviously than the originally with Salzburg, but Salzburg were also very impressive during the group stages. So. Um, long way to go till but that's the thing you realize obviously when the draw has been done the games aren't going to be played until february so there's quite a lot that can happen in that time period but um yeah it was a, overall it was uh some nice um some nice fixtures that have popped up anyway yeah like i totally agree i think the whole way the draw was done was very very bad like they said for people who didn't watch the draw um the basic thing was man united were put in the wrong pot um and it really messed up a lot of the things so um when atletico madrid came out originally in the first draw they it was set um you have said that man united couldn't face them and then obviously united were pulled out against villarreal and then they realized they they properly messed up there so um kind of screwed everything up so anyway we'll look at kind of the draws first and then we'll reflect on the teams and how they did in in the groups as well so obviously the draws that were made for the champions league um is but salzburg versus bayern munich and let madrid versus man united sporting lisbon versus man city villarreal versus juventus benfica versus ajax inter versus liverpool Chelsea versus Lille and P- uh, PSG versus Real Madrid. So straight away, kind of looking at the fixtures, the standout fixture for, there for me is obviously Real Madrid and Paris, Paris Saint-Germain. So I suppose kind of we'll go down through the groups. So we'll start with obviously the first group, um, Group A, which was Man City, PSG, Leipzig and Bruges. Kind of looking at how that group went, kind of what's been your thoughts on the teams that are in that group and how they've performed so far in the the Champions League you could argue Leipzig were pretty disappointing I know they beat City the last game there wasn't anything riding on that City were already guaranteed top Bruges had a couple of results along the way like they obviously um, drew with PSG in the first game week so yeah I don't know but it finished how you would have expected it to finish really Far apart from, um, it was always going to be tight between, especially when PSG won the first game for City to finish obviously top was a bit of a surprise. But um, PSG, similar to the two fixtures in the knockout stages last season, just didn't play as well um, away from home as they did at home. Even the home game though, uh, City had that. That was a tricky week, three day, three games for City or ten days. Um, they had Chelsea, then they had PSG away, and then they had Liverpool away, um, and they came away with seven points or whatever. So, um, 
sorry, no, not seven. Came away with uh, four points. Obviously, the draw and thing, which obviously Pep said at the time he was pretty happy with. Um, and that was just before the international break as well. So, no, that, that group, it was always between the top two. And it was a bit of a flip of a coin in terms of who topped the group. Um, PSG are so hot or cold. They're either brilliant or woeful. Mbappe was probably their standout player in the group stage, really. Um, Messi had a couple of like cameos. Um, but he's been... It's just not been the same Messi that was at Barcelona so far from what we've seen. And obviously City's strength and depth is just ridiculous. Um, they, could pick, they could have picked two different 11s every time they played. So um, I thought Mares played decent in Champions League um, and Sterling's been pretty good too. Yeah, I totally agree with you in regards to that. Like From watching, um, obviously I went to PSG Man City in the stadium, obviously, because uh, I, got, I got to go to a few Man City games um, the, la- the last while. Um, the first thing I would say from that game, from what I can see, problem with PSG is defensively they're quite good. Attacking wise, they've got great talent. It's that midfield. If they lose one or two of their standout midfielders in there, like Her- uh, Herrera, that was I couldn't think of his name. <laughs> Herrera in there, he went off injured, and straight away when he went off injured against Man City, I saw a massive change in how. PSG performed on the pitch so I think that's somewhere where they might need to look to improve because attacking wise they could run through you. Messi is it was my first time seeing Messi play and what that guy can do with a football is just incredible Um, even off the ball, the ball comes to him before it even hits his foot he knows where it's going and he'll ping like a 50 yard ball cross pitch which I was so glad to finally see him play um Mbappe is just pace upon pace. Neymar, I was very disappointed in. He just for all he's hyped up to be as as, as a, a world class player, he's he's not really that. Since yeah. he left Barcelona, he's just like there's no doubt of about the talent. But like when people regard him as the third best player in the world, he's nowhere near the third best player in the world, in my opinion. Funny, the funny thing is, obviously, if, uh, you were very complimentary of Messi, but he got slated by pundits for his performance in that game against City for walking around and stuff. So, yeah. interesting interpretation, obviously, being pitch side, what you thought of him. Um, but he has come across in games. He just doesn't look to have the same appetite necessarily that he had at Barcelona, which is obviously understandable. But I, I would say probably the, the main problem there with PSG is if three attackers who are used to, like, the sides they've played in before, like Neymar when he was at Barcelona and obviously Messi being at Barcelona, they had that thing where they could sit up top and let everyone else do the work and get the ball up to them. Now at PSG, they don't. the way the Champions League is evolving now and the way teams are playing now, it's very hard to do that. You need someone to drop back and stuff like that. So that, obviously there's, there's an issue there and it's something Pochettino needs to look at. Now, the other question I was going to have to you is obviously defensively, they have had one or two issues as well, kind of with kind of mistakes at the back, which have led to goals and stuff like that. Will the likes of Sergio Ramos now finally come back and actually get into play for PSG, maybe improve them defensively and maybe could be that next step to maybe push them towards challenging for, for the Champions League? 
But see, there's quite quite a lot that comes with Ramos. You're not you're going to obviously get the leadership. Obviously, he was captain at uh, Madrid as well, so um, he had shown he's going to bring that leadership quality. He's also going to bring the bit of nous and experience that they probably need now to play alongside the likes of Marquinhos, who has that in abundance as well. Um, he's also going to bring a little bit of the dark arts as well, which is probably something that PSG need for latter stages of com- competitions. Um, uh, whether he'll be the player he was at Madrid, I don't know. It, only time will tell. I suppose the other thing as well is what you notice with PSG, especially under Poch, what they've had to do because they don't have the midfield and they can get dominated um, in that area of the, of the the pitch. They tend to play a, a quite a pragmatic approach away from home, the Champions League, um, where they play on the counter. So I suppose it allows it's not as problematic for them to have um, Messi, Neymar and Mbappe sitting off towards the top of the pitch because they need them in those positions in order to counter anyway, and especially with the pace um, of the three of them. But I suppose when they're when you come up against a side that maybe are a little bit more organised or and are just going to dominate the ball, like against the lesser teams, even PSG can have, they can keep possession, um, it's just when they come up against like the City or say a Liverpool where predominantly those teams will have more possession. Um, if they deal better with that counter-attack, PSG are rather limited in what they can do. So now it doesn't matter with the Mercurial and the, the just the pure world-class ability of the likes of Messi or Mbappe or whoever, they can turn a game on its head individually but you can't necessarily similar to what Man United were doing under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer you can't be relying on special players to bail you out all the time because sometimes those players aren't gonna gonna turn up or aren't gonna get the opportunity to to perform so um, that would be my main criticism obviously when Alden went there and he's not really it's not really worked out um, he should have made a massive difference to that midfield and hasn't and I've uh a lot of time for Di Maria. I think he's a fantastic footballer. But the problem is, if you're going to play him, you need necessarily probably two sitting midfielders. They have Verratti, but Verratti's not necessarily good enough to literally just sit, and he probably needs someone alongside him. So that's probably the the position they need to recruit for. And I think that's that's another thing, I, I suppose, with them as well, when watching them is Verratti is is one of those players who suffers a lot with injuries, especially lately that like he wasn't playing for them the day I saw them. And you could see someone like that was a big miss for them against Manchester City. Now, obviously looking at Manchester City side, obviously um, there, the bookies have them down as one of the favorites. Now, the one thing from watching them, I still think they need a, a, a striker. Like at the end of the day, yes, they've got great talent. They can score loads of goals. They showed it against Leipzig when this it was literally probably the game of of the tournament, just with how many goals were scored. I th- still think, kind of from from watching them a few times, that that's what's kind of missing for them. Like say someone like a Haaland or someone like someone down the center who can score your goals when you need it. Because at the end of the day. You can't be relying on the lacks of Raheem Sterling at times because the chap can't even shoot normally. He has to miss kick to score nearly every goal. Oh, he's in very good form this season. 
I don't know. I got, like obviously we're both strikers, so we have a preference for that. But I generally like I have come to the conclusion. I just don't think Pep will get one, and I just don't think they need one. Like they have so many players that can play false nine, and it's just the way they chop and change in that front three all the time, depending on who's playing there. It doesn't matter. And um, they have so many players that can score goals, whether it be Gundogan, Kevin De Bruyne. Rodri pops up with a spectacular goal every now and then. Then you have Sterling, Mares, Foden, uh, Bernardo Silva. Like the the Cancelo scored a lovely goal at the weekend. Like they have so many players that contribute in that sense. I don't think they need to. Sim- very similar to Chelsea, although Chelsea just don't have um, at the moment. They just don't have with obviously COVID or injuries or whatever, and they just don't have the same strength and depth as City have available. Um, to be able to do that and I think obviously the signing of Lukaku actually was of benefit to Chelsea Um, it just gives them another option Um, but I, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there but what just for, for in terms of comparison so I just don't think I don't think City need a striker and I don't think they will sign a striker worst case it'll be next summer if they do depending on if they miss out in the league or not or miss out in the Champions League Um, but I I I, I still think they're they could, they're there to be got at. Um, as you've seen in some of the Champions League games, they were very high scoring and they conceded two or three goals in matches as well. So they definitely don't ha- haven't had the same um, solidity at the back that they do at times in the Premier League. I don't know whether that's Pep changing personnel all the time. I definitely think Kyle Walker's a, um, a hindrance more than a benefit to the, to the team. So... We'll see if he's there come come towards the big games in the end of the season. But I'd expect City to be getting at least quarterfinals anyway. No, I do agree with you. Like the um, Man City, I, I think defensively at times can be very critiqued, or it's very easy for kind of teams to um, break through them as as you saw with Leipzig when they when they scored those three or four goals against them in the the Champions League. So definitely, it's. Something that Man City can have a flaw in them, but then at other times, like Man City could score four or five and keep a clean sheet as well, depending on what team shows up on the day. Um, I suppose then, kind of moving on from that group, we'll move to the other group B. Then is obviously Liverpool were the first English team to win all six of their um, Champions League matches, and to be honest, watching Liverpool play. I think it was pretty easy for them, really, looking. When you look across, yeah, I know there was one or two games where the likes of Atletico Madrid fought back and stuff like that, but I think realistically looking, it was easier for them because a lot of the teams in that group haven't been as good as they should be. Um, Yeah, look, I thought we were very impressive. Obviously, the first game, AC, we went 2-0 up. We absolutely smashed them. Um and then ended up two wall or whatever. Um or we went, were one nil up and it went two one AC Milan or whatever it was. But we uh like it wasn't a fair reflection of the game because AC literally had two chances and two goals and they were two very well worked goals. Obviously Salah missed the penalty as well. Um then the Atletico game, we gifted them really the two goals as well. I thought we were very impressive. Um obviously got the winner and then um, obviously there was some kind of dodgy, not dodgy decisions, but controversial decisions. 
um, that kind of swung our, in our favour at the time as well. Um, but then the rest of the games were fairly comfortable. Like we smashed Atleti at home. Um, we were very impressive, uh, obviously, in both games against Porto. And then, obviously, uh, AC was kind of icing on the cake, really playing a weaker side um, and still getting the win, which was great. The, even the, the AC goal, once again, was against the run of play. Stats supported. It was very much a dominant Liverpool display. Um, getting game time into the likes of uh, Tyler Wharton. Uh, obviously, he played again at the weekend. But uh, that's what that, that's the kind of luxury you have of having to um, haven't had such an easy group stage that you can make those changes and give some players some experience etc they'll only benefit from it i suppose the the way klopp has liverpool and obviously the style the press style actually really suits well in europe um because a lot of the apart from obviously like the likes of bayern um not an awful lot of the european sides play that style of game so it's quite different uh, or difficult for them because they don't necessarily come up against the weekend week out um a lot of the even like the Italians or the Spanish teams traditionally will be a lot more patient in terms of their build-up. Um, it's not the f- kind of high-intensity style that Klopp has incorporated at Liverpool. So um, I think I'd always fancy us in the la- to get to the latter stages, apart from the result against um, Atleti at home that time, just before the, cro- the COVID kind of breakout or crisis started. We've been fairly consistent in Europe, so you'd expect us to an a nice draw, and you'd fancy us really, unless um something goes majorly wrong in terms of injuries, etc. You'd fancy us to do the job in in February. Yeah, I suppose the other team then from that group, I I suppose was Atletico Madrid. They've always been a side who have performed very well in the the Champions League, and they've always gotten very far in it. But were they very underachieving in regards to their performances and how they performed against sides? Like, at the end of the day, they did get through. But watching them against um, AC Milan, watching them against Porto, I thought, to be honest, they were very, very poor for for the talent that they have in their squad as well. They've loved the nice players. Obviously, Griezmann has settled very well into care. Obviously, he had the the incident with Liverpool where he scored the two goals and then ended up getting sent off. But is this a sign maybe that Atletico are losing that dominance in Europe in regards to where they're getting so far and then just missing out just close to the end? With that as well. <laughs> They probably need some fresh blood in terms of some of the players as well. Um, Jay Felix obviously has a lot of potential, but he's been quite disappointing. Um, Griezmann coming back has definitely benefited. Suarez has had some injury pro- uh, problems this season. Obviously, was unbelievable last season. Basically, won the league for um, Atleti in the um, in La Liga. Then, I suppose kind of some of the their back four probably getting quite a little bit old. Koke is definitely like he's. I suppose he's potentially in his prime or just past his prime. Um, I thought it was a very strange decision to send Saul on loan to, to Chelsea. I don't know whether he fell out with um, Simeone or not. Uh, obviously, it's not working out particularly well for him at Chelsea either. 
Um, Chelsea fans aren't very uh, pleased um, pleased with him. But so I thought that was a bit weird, um, considering they didn't really have someone to replace him either. Um, I'm not sure. I I'd say with everything, maybe their squad is maybe lacking a little bit, and they're maybe struggling with balancing going for the title in La Liga. They started the season pretty well and have seemed to have kind of fallen away again. And um, Madrid have kind of gone out in front quite away. Um, but look, it was a it was a tough group. If apart like you take out the other group of death, you probably would have said that's probably potentially one of the most competitive uh, group groups in the, the competition. So for them still to manage to find a way to get through, we think that's the main thing. And they might look that they use that as a bit of a platform for the rest of the season. But Atletico, I suppose the bad thing for Atletico, mate, it could be detrimental for them the obviously the change in the rules with the away goals that might come in to work against them because they traditionally are quite um pragmatic, obviously as we know, and teams now can just go all out and try and score as many goals as possible because they don't have to worry about the fact of uh, the away goal rule, you know? Like, obviously, it cost Liverpool, basically, in the the in the in last 16 game against Atletico at home, obviously 1-0, then went extra time, Liverpool went 2-0 up, and then once Atletico scored, Liverpool had to score two, and it just it got quite messy. So, yeah, so I, I, I definitely think that if... If there's going to be, I think that's going to be a bigger challenge for them necessarily than who they play. Um, obviously they've got United, so probably not the the best of draws for them. If you're if you put a gun against my head now, with if if you know you keep everybody fit and Ragnar gets to be able to implement his kind of philosophy well and bed in over Christmas, you'd fancy you know you'd probably knock them out to be honest. I think what the problem is, as you said, Atletico, it's the, the balance of playing it for the league and then obviously playing for Europe. And uh, I don't think they've balanced that very well. And then they have had quite a few injuries or a few players. Now, they have a few nice new players who look really good and that, but it just doesn't seem to be clicking across the league and, and the Champions League. Um, Kind of the last question I have from that group is then obviously AC Milan who I thought coming into this could maybe sneak, looking at how kind of Atletico have played and how um, recently as well, that I thought they might cause an upset and actually get through themselves because of how well they played in their own league. Um, is Was the problem there that they rely on certain players too much, like, say, your Ibrahimovic and that for goals, or was it just they just didn't show up really for the games as much? I I suppose it's very fine margins. Like they went one 0 up against uh, Atletico at home, then got a man sent off, so they're hanging on for the game. Then um, that's never ideal in any circumstance. Like I said, I thought they were a very impressive going forward. The chances that they did create uh, in Anfield, the chances that they did create in Anfield, um, they were like they were clinical. Um, Rebic and Deep Brian, uh, Brahim Diaz were excellent. So, 
Like they definitely have that's the caliber of player. Kessie's been been excellent. Um, question maybe the strength of maybe their midfield or their back four. Um, Ibrahimovic is well over the hill now. Like I, I don't think he's suited to playing in Europe. I think he's grand domestically. Um, but he just doesn't play the same amount of games as what he did previously. He's just too old. Uh, he's not physically able to do that. So no, I don't think they rely on him too much because I think they have plenty of kind of players in and around him to be able to get to score goals and they were until recently obviously still top of um Syria as well so the I wouldn't be too um I wouldn't be too worried in that sense I'd, I'd say it's probably best for them not to have Europe they can just focus on the league now um and try to uh try to um win a league title which would be which has been a long time coming you know since um since the Ancelotti and Kaka days, really, it was the last time they were successful. So, yeah, and that's that. That's when like the likes of Ibrahimovic was playing with them as well. So, like that. That's how long ago it was, kind of, which is hard to believe. Um, kind of moving on to Group C then, which has a shock, I suppose, team getting through here, which I don't think most people actually expected, which was obviously Ajax. Porto Lisbon, Borussia Dortmund, and Besiktas. Um, obviously, Besiktas had an absolute woeful campaign for themselves, Conce- conceding nineteen and only scoring three goals. Um, so they ne- it was nearly like they didn't need to show up if just. No, I suppose you you would have expected that. You picked the regardless how you think the group would finish, you're guaranteed you would have put Besiktas bottom anyway. Um, and just I suppose a lot of those teams are. Very attack, very attacking, um, which we're going to get into. But there, so there was always, even in the games between each other, you're always expecting a lot of goals. So I'm not really surprised on that at all. Um, just that they were obviously a bit, <laughs> bit of the the whipping boys of the Champions League this year. Um, I suppose the first question I have is obviously Ajax. That, like Liverpool, they played six games and they won six games. And to be honest, looking at them. They were scary to watch because they were banging in four or five goals. Like obviously, um, Haller, Sebastian Haller didn't quite make it at West Ham, and he's got since he's gone to Ajax. It's like he's a cold new player. First ever Champions League, and he scored ten Champions League goals, and he's the fastest player to reach um, ten Champions League goals in in game time, which is scary. And this is a guy who. Um, Ajax forgot to register when for their Europa League campaign last year. Yeah, how how time change? And obviously, he scored in all six games as well to join the likes of Ronaldo, etc. That have done it. Um. So yeah, no, look, but Ajax as well, and even last season when Liverpool had them, we had them in the, the group stages, and we won both games one nil. Um, they were they were excellent. They were tight games. They play lovely football, obviously very technical, very well coached, very well drilled, um, and obviously loads of kind of young, exciting talent that comes through. It obviously is how their model works. Then you have someone like Dujan Tadic, who's been unbelievable. Um, not enough praise really been made about his kind of contributions over the last couple of seasons. Obviously, the stat came out there the other day. He equaled um, Messi's record for assists in a calendar year with 36. Um, like when you think about how 
much mess he gets talked about for someone to kind of equal that record he should be getting some sort of plaudits um so yeah and look he's and he's been fantastic um at the international level for serbia as well so um fantastic player and he was brilliant for Dunhampton when he was there too so um wouldn't be surprised he's probably probably going to stay there but if he He's still at a decent age that he could very well come back to a big club if he wanted. Um, so we'll have to see, especially with Ajax manager being spoken about some top jobs around Europe as well, which um, I don't, um, I can't see not happening really, especially with how well he's done. So you'd like to see Ajax um, to go a little bit further. Obviously, they had the, the great run a couple of years ago and got... Soccer punched by Spurs and Lucas Moura late on, um, and and by the away goal rule that was, and as by well. the away goal rule as well. So, um, going to be interesting to see how they get on now in the the latter stages because they basically have the uh, the Dutch league sewn up as well. So, with with Ajax with the way they've performed so far in the the Champions League, could. Could you say they're a dark horse for the title with the way they've played this season and how they've performed? Yeah, I suppose, but I I generally don't regard... You have to remember, obviously, Dortmund were missing Haaland. Um, Dortmund had a poor result there at the weekend. They lost their heart to Berlin. I just... Dortmund are one of those... They're like a nearly team. They could be unbelievable, but a couple of injuries to key players and they fall away. Like Jude Bellingham's missing at the moment and he's a big loss. Obviously, they lost Sancho. I know they replaced him with Donny Marlon, but like, is Donny Marlon going to have the same potential as such as maybe Jaden Sancho's going to have at United? I know Jaden Sancho's not necessarily recreated or it's not necessarily worked out how you would maybe expect it straight away at United. Um, although he seems to be turning a little bit of a corner. But uh, that all kind of adds up. And whether you like to admit it or not, but like the likes of Hummels is looking a bit like he's past his best. Um, he's definitely lost a yard or two of pace as well. He was never unbelievably quick. He was very very similar style to John Terry, really, is and never had that electric pace, but just positionally in terms of um, game management and kind of game awareness was able to kind of work around that. Um. So yeah, like that would be that would be my question. The back four, um, I think is a bit of an issue for for Dortmund. The amount of goals they technically concede, um, can't be relying on the likes of Haaland, etc., to bail you out with hat tricks and or, um, every game. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think the the loss of Haaland, especially for kind of the la- the last, I think was a there's fourth and fifth game I think he was out injured and you could see watching them because one one of them was against Ajax as well and you could see um obviously there was the controversial sending off of Hummels in that game which I don't think was a sending off but I'm not going to go into if if what's uh, buts or maybes um but it is a problem for Dortmund they have been a side that's been fantastic over the years and I think when Haaland eventually goes, whether that's in the summer or f- further down the line, there you are going to see maybe them drop off even more potentially because of the the, the next kind of big player in their squad after that is probably Jude Bellingham. And then after that, pretty much all the other players, not, not, not this number, but 
Like you've got Marco Royce, who could be very good, but he's coming towards the end of his career and he's he's very injury prone. Um and then you've got Malin who's who's a young player. He looks very promising, but I think he needs one or two seasons in that Dortmund side before he can establish himself. Um but I agree with you in regards to I think the whole Sancho leaving as well was a big loss for them because that's another big name who's been very kind of important to them. So that is the thing. And then looking at obviously Sport and Lisbon who who played very well in that group stage. They look like an, a decent side um, from Port- from Portugal, obviously, um, kind of with how they're playing. So is is that something maybe, obviously, in the, uh, in the Champions League, they've got Man City. Could they potentially pull that tie? Like, I know Man City would be the favourites, obviously, in that tie, but the, could they be maybe possible to cause an upset there, maybe potentially with how they perform? Because watching them play they look very very good aside and um some of the the young talent that's 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 in there as well just seems to be clicking um like they've got stars who i could easily see playing in the premier league or playing in your in a big side in europe are lisbon going to be the portal of last year in terms of how well porto did play lovely football Obviously, they won the win the Portuguese league last season as well. So, um, obviously they have that over over Porto. Um, they it's funny because you wouldn't traditionally. I know, like in the past, you do have decent Portuguese teams, um, but you wouldn't like how close it was for all three really to have qualified there, um, out of, out of their respective groups. Um, obviously Porto losing in the last the last kind of game, but they've been they've been very very impressive. Loads of goals scored against, playing nice football, similar to to Ajax, and it's quite technical. Um, nice style of football, easy on the eye. So yeah, and like uh, young youngish manager, um, playing nice football. So I would uh, it'd be interesting to see. Like it's it's. They don't necessarily have the experience of playing the knockout stages, so um, if they can get maybe through the next round and then see how they get on, but um, the draw isn't going to get kind of any easier really for some of these teams. But like, like I said, definitely uh, impressed. You pick two teams at the start of the the group stage, you definitely wouldn't have. Obviously, you can't kind of foresee the injuries, etc. But you would have picked Dortmund over over Lisbon, really. So. For Lisbon to get out of that group is uh, a credit to to the team and to the manager. Yeah, I I agree, and maybe that experience side of them playing in not playing in the the knockout stage might be something that might affect them. Kind of when it comes to playing, say obviously Man City in the next stage, that they might just fall short because a lot of because they have a young youngish squad as well. A lot of these players might not have experience of playing in that kind of that next level i was supposed supposed to the the group stage when you go to the knockout stage it's a whole new level that you have to progress to and they might just fall short or they could cause an upset but it will be interesting to see kind of from that um what happens there then kind of moving to obviously group d um you have real madrid inter milan sheriff uh 
Tiraspol and Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, Donetsk. Um, obviously, Sheriff had two, their first two games had two amazing results, beating both um, Inter Milan and Real Madrid, um, and then kind of just seemed to have kind of fell off kind of towards the end of the group stage. Um, obviously, Madrid are looking, even though they, they, don't, they lost a, a few key players in their squad, seem to be looking back to their best in regards to their score more goals. And then even in Spain as well, some other players are stepping up like Vinicius Jr. He's been a whole different player this season um, for them as well. Are Madrid maybe showing glimpses that they're starting to go back to where they need to be to be performing in the, the likes of the Champions League? Obviously, they knocked us out last year. Um, I I don't weigh much or buy in really to the the Spanish league at the moment. I think the standard is a lot like it's way down from what it was previously. Um, so I do think the Premier League team side are way Premier League teams are way ahead. Hence why I think you know you're going to beat Atleti in the knockout stages. But um. You could whatever it is about Madrid, they just they have they have an ability to just kind of um go take a step up in terms of their performances. You still have unbelievable world class players in the likes of Kroos, Benzema, and um, Vinicius has been ridiculous um this season. Um, I slated him last year because I thought he only turned up for the the first leg. He was quite disappointing after that, but this season, in fairness to him, he's kept up and he's been he's been excellent. Um, Asensio has been very good. Um, just I feel like you get a key, uh, a big injury to say Benzema or something. I think they're gonna they're gonna struggle. Um, but like if you if you put a gun to my head now and you talk, ask me who's gonna go through, I'd say PSG purely on the basis that if Ram- Ramos is back um, in the team and ready to go for that knockout tie um and they have their front three fit and, fi- and firing i think they'll they'll outscore it'll be a case of who scores more goals and i think psg have more going forward than than madrid i think probably defensively madrid are probably a little bit more solid um so we'll have to see but it's it's quite interesting to the like obviously the rivalries neymar is going to be playing around madrid obviously have been a barcelona player um You've had players that have played for both, and then obviously Ramos will be playing against Madrid first time um, since he's left. Uh, Mbappe obviously has been linked heavily with going to Madrid, so I don't know. It's going to be. It's going. To, I'm like I will be. I'm hoping Liverpool is not on TV the same night as that game because I am looking forward to watching that game. With. With obviously uh, Real Madrid as well, as you as you touched on, um, obviously the likes of Varane and Ramos leaving them this summer hasn't seemed to have dwelled on them, especially defensively. Like they they only conceded three goals, which is hard to believe that they lost a game in 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 that time as well. Um, and as you touched on, the likes of maybe losing uh, Kareem especially might cause a big problem for them there but it's not a thing I actually see as Karim Benzema actually getting many injuries he seems to just being able to manage his body well 
looking at the other side that came out of that, obviously, then Inter Milan, are they kind of in a similar boat that if they lose one or two key players in their squad, they could easily underperform as well? Like maybe like Aiden Zeko's kind of really jumped it up um, to the spotlight since he moved from Roma and kind of taken over what Lukaku was doing for them. Is that something similar maybe that they're in that situation? It's been fantastic again this year. Loads of goals as well. So if Barella, obviously the, the back four is is pretty good. Um, Andanovic in goal as well. So yeah, I don't know. They, they, um, I definitely think massive, like they can't really afford to lose either of those strikers really. Um, I... They, they've got Liverpool. I can't see Liverpool full strength against Inter Milan full strength. I just don't think they'll have the firepower um, or like the midfield necessarily to be able to dominate over 180 minutes like that. But they they obviously were still pretty pretty comfortable in the group. Um, pretty poor in the last game against Madrid. Um, but look true comfortably and um that's kinda when you see the group you'll take when you've Madrid in with yourselves you're gonna take second, aren't you? So um I'm sure they're happy just to get through folks on the league now between now and then. Obviously a, a lot of the continental sides will get a Christmas break as well, so that's definitely gonna help them. Um over compared to obviously the English sides will play predominantly play way more football over Christmas period. Um, then more then, like more likely to get injuries that way, as and, well. like, and obviously with all the the COVID nonsense that's going on at the moment again. But yeah, it's hard to know. I would uh, they definitely can't afford. Obviously, Alexis Sanchez as well has had a couple of injury problems. He's kind of coming back, um, coming back a little bit now, so they can get him fit. That he still has a, an awful lot of ability and can definitely contribute. So um, kind of hard to tell, but. Look, as we expected, those two to qualify. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree. Uh, they were the two, and I think kind of Sheriff kind of showed, um, in the in the Champions League that they it was their first time. The first two games they did really well. They got two great results, but in the end, kind of the experience kind of kicked in and they kind of fell off. Um, then kind of moving on to the next group, which is obviously the one that had another big surprise name crash out as well was Bayern Munich, Benfica, Barcelona, and Dynamo Kiev. So obviously uh, Dynamo Kiev only with the one point there um, conceded 11 and scored one. Um, and then Barcelona, who just, it just not, does seem to be having that just... One of those se- really bad seasons, you know, it's all coming apart since Messi's gone, you know. It's kind of like the whole wheels are coming off the bus um for them. Um is is this a sign for Barcelona that maybe they're falling into a situation like I say compared like like Arsenal right now, where they're gonna start they're they're gonna fall below that group of like Spanish sides. Are consistently performing, or those types winning winning trophies. Now, are they going to be down, kind of above that lower side where they're going to struggle to maybe get into the Champions League, 
or struggle to win trophies because there's a whole new rebuilding phase needed? A great question. Um, obviously, like so much can happen. Obviously, Javi's gone in. It's not really working very well at the moment um, in terms of results. So if they want to get the identity back, they obviously, if they if they can get Pedri, obviously fit again. Um, Gabby's been, look, he scored a lovely goal at the weekend as well. Um, just going to get better and better. Uh, I suppose it, it, there's there's quite a few old players, isn't there? Like PK is well, well over the hill now. He's passed, well past his sell by date, past his best. I don't know, he signed the likes of Depay. He's been good, but... You want maybe a slightly, uh, a slightly younger Memphis the boy really, um, to get the the best out of him. Frankie De Jong, since he went to Barcelona, although he's a brilliant player, he just isn't isn't the same Frankie De Jong, is he? Um, I just there's a lot wrong. Obviously, the the financial issues are definitely not going to help. If I was to put money on it, I could nearly see Barcelona going down a similar path as AC Milan. And end up potentially becoming like a team that like get Europa League for a period of time before they get a rebuilding job or before they get a style of play back um, and maybe some more academy players to come through, build a team, get some experienced players in in key positions and then like set a target of getting back for Champions League or winning the league title and getting back that way. But I think it's going to be a struggle for them to especially even this season to to get top to get Europe. Um a lot's gonna have to go right. Like if and the problem is if they miss out on that income um both domestically and in a European standard, they're gonna put themselves in more financial uh stress. So dunno, it's not if I was a Barcelona fan at the moment I'd be worried, to be honest. I'd be very worried. Yeah, and speaking of financial, they just announced there. I was uh, I followed them on on social media, um, obviously because I've liked Barcelona since I was young, and they've announced obviously these new plans to redevelop the new camp, redevelop the area, and put in loads of different things. So you're just wondering, like, is that going to even set them back even further financially? Well, well, yeah, what I understand is how can they do that when they have no money? Like, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I know they had some investment. Um, from afar, but I, 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 the whole thing just makes no sense to me how you can live by beyond your means for such a period of time to get the club into that scenario and then to be almost bailed out by certain people and stuff. I don't care whether uh, the size, obviously it's a, it's a fantastic club historically, but you can't get away with being allowed to do that and not, there not be some sort of consequence or repercussion. So if that is a that results in them having to go into the wilderness for a period of time, I think there's a bit of bit of karma. But the same thing can be said about Madrid. Obviously, uh, Florentino Perez has said the same, saying Madrid are in the dire straits, but they were still able to bid crazy money for Mbappe. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I definitely think there's a murky waters regarding what these clubs can and can't do. Um, and I do think they get away with an awful lot. Um, there definitely needs to have been we haven't really heard anything of potential repercussions for the teams that signed up for the Super League or and the fact that Madrid etc are still pushing it 
Um, be interesting to see. I know what hap- if anything happens further down the line, but yeah, I, I've no. There's any justice in the world. Barcelona won't get Europe, and Madrid will get knocked out next round, and then PSG will follow them. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, it will be kind of interesting to see how those kind of things play out. Now, obviously, you had the the top goal scorers of the whole group stage in Bayern Munich in in that group. They have are just oh, I, I, they're just a whole new level of a side, and just seem to. So just perform and let Robert Lewandowski um is just a hop. Robert Lewandowski, as Muller says. <laughs> yeah. Um ah yeah, look, I the, the the you run out of superlatives for, for Bayern Munich. Um just in terms of the stability to they always seem to in all kind of great size, they always find a way to win. Like they played Dortmund recently enough. I know they got maybe a pretty lucky contentious decision but they still had to convert the chance or whatever and then they're always in those tight games they always seem to find a way to get the results and the, they find an extra goal Um, like I still think they probably would have beaten last uh, City last season only for the um Lewandowski injury cost them really over the two legs so um Sorry, uh, obviously against uh, PSG, but obviously if they got through the City with Lewandowski fit, I think they would have probably uh, knocked City out and probably given Chelsea a, a way more difficult game in the final just purely because they, their ability to score goals. Like I feel like when they get to the final stages and they come up against maybe one of the bigger teams, I think it's just going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a case of who scores more goals because they are so good going forward, so much threat from so many different positions. And you have to think about it, they're still missing the likes of uh, Joshua Kimmich um, and a couple of others. Uh, Le- um, Goretzka's been injured as well. So obviously Kimmich is uh, around COVID, which is obviously the bit of a contentious issue with him being unvaccinated. But yeah, look, they're they're sc- they're scary. I, I still think they can be got at defensively because of the style of play, similar to Liverpool in terms of they're so good going forward in the high intensity. I think they leave some gaps, and I don't think they they don't have a Van Dijk from like say a pace perspective that they can if there is a counter attack they don't have someone with his recovery pace to potentially deal with it. Um, obviously the season before they won the Champions League, Liverpool obviously beat them um well pretty convincingly in the second leg away in the alliance so um that could be a potential rematch potentially if liverpool go through the next round obviously with Bayern, uh, that'd be a fairly tasty uh quarter final potentially obviously anything can happen and anybody can get anybody in the quarter final stage but um i'd be they'd be the one team i wouldn't apart from city the one team you wouldn't want to get in the knockout stages would would you say they're probably the favourites for the whole tournament? Would you say it? It's it, I think it's very tight because um, Pep Pep's his own worst enemy, as we saw in the Champions League last season with some of the mad decisions he made in the final. Um, he did it the year before with um, what's his name um, against Leon. He left De Bruyne off the pitch. Um, he didn't start De Bruyne and then brought him on. It's just some kind of mad decisions. That That's Pep's biggest weakness, really. Um, if you're Pep, you want to avoid an English side. You don't want Chelsea or you don't want uh, Liverpool. 
um, even if they can beat them, just because those matches are always so competitive and so closely matched. Um, and so you always seem to get nice draws and uh, like they do with domestic cups. Um, yeah, so look, if you put, put a... Ask me to pick a team to win the Champions League now, it'd be tight. tight. It, it's between those three, really, because... I think Chelsea have had so many issues with injuries all year. They keep fit. Look, they won it last year there. They have a great chance as well. Big a team. <laughs> it's hard because, look, you look at Bayern now and they've had some bad results in the league as well this season. It it just shows you, regardless how good these teams are, anybody can have a bad game. So, yeah, I'd probably pick Bayern purely, purely, because of Levin Lewandowski at the moment, because like it doesn't matter who that play, plays against, he's scoring. Yeah. He's just insane. And he, he's like he's like Messi and Ronaldo. It's like he gets even better with age, nearly. Like obviously, he broke the record there in the Bundesliga for most goals in a, in a calendar year. There, um, which just shows just how good of a player he is. I think the massive difference with Lewandowski as well. He said he's made quite a. Quite a conscious effort regarding his diet and his like body outside. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his wife, um, his wife is a nutritionist or something, and I think he's made quite a few changes in that um area in terms of his lifestyle and stuff. And I think that's definitely definitely benefited him. Um, like we we we've heard over the years how almost neurotic Ronaldo is in terms of controls everything outside of within his own like world and like diet and everything um don't think the chap's ever had a coke in his life you know what i mean in terms of he just doesn't doesn't allow anything to get in the way of him being the best version of himself and if Lewandowski's take applied that himself it's definitely going to um lengthen his career and there's no reason why he can't sustain the levels um that he has been because you have to remember Back in the day when Aubameyang was at Dortmund, Lewandowski was still doing the same thing for Bayern at the same time. It's His figures have been ridiculous for quite a long time. It's only because Messi and Ronaldo set it to a completely higher level that he's kind of gone under the radar. But Lewandowski's probably been the best number nine for the la- at least the last six, seven years in, in world football, really. So, and obviously you had Suarez for a period of time, um, potentially where... You, you could argue Suarez was potentially for that season or season and a half, he was probably the best player in the world at, for, at that period at Barcelona. Um, but yeah, so the he's he's going to go down in the ages, obviously breaking more records, broke the Gert Muller record and then broke the Gert Muller record for calendar year Bundesliga goal. So look, I, I can't can't praise the man enough. I, I, the only criticism I have of him, I think he's... Uh, I think he goes down a little bit too easy sometimes in some of the big games and he tends to be a bit of a moan but apart from that he's an unbelievable footballer yeah I totally agree and I, I think with, with um, obviously Lewandowski he's just he's just one of those players I think like he showed it for was it Dortmund the year they got to the Champions League final uh, on, the, on the way they played um, Real Madrid in the in the the knockout stage, I think it was the quarterfinals or semifinals, and Lewandowski literally was the man that 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 won that tie for them, scoring four goals in one of the ga- one of the the games. 
I'm um, kind of moving on then from Bayern Munich's group then looking at um, the next group is Manchester United, Villarreal, At- Atalanta and obviously uh, Young Boys. So obviously Villarreal who were the Europa League winners and uh, played United in the final and, and, and had a great performance in the final. Um, were you surprised at United's performance? I know United have had one of those seasons. Obviously, Oli Gunnar, it just did not work out for them. Were you surprised at kind of some of the performances United had put out just in regards to defensively? Like they were going two or three goals down and they had to come back and rely on Ronaldo to to win them ties pretty much two or three times. If you're asking if I'm surprised, no, because I just I thought last season was such a made no sense. I don't rate Harry Maguire. I never have, and I just think last season for whatever reason it were just ridiculous the way at the levels they performed, consistent basis. Luke Shaw had the best season of his career. He's been atrocious this season, and um, he's been dropped for Tellez more, more, um, more. Aaron Wan-Bissaka is going backwards as a professional footballer. He's actually getting worse season on season. Um, there was a period of time there where he was, I thought, probably of all the English players, he's probably the best defensively. Um, he's not even the best defensively anymore. Uh, he had always had uh, room to improve kind of going forward, but the chap's too busy getting uh, getting his car taken off and his license taken off and well, from the news today. Um, yeah, so look, based on that, and then obviously under players like say Bruno um, has underperformed really um, for quite a lot of this season. Pogba's been injured, um, although he's just ready to go on a free transfer anyway, so he might as well leave him on sideline. Fred in recent games has actually been pretty good, but Overall, it's been pretty poor this season. And then, obviously, you have McTominay and Matic. Matic is well... Like, Matic is not a calibre of Manchester United player anymore. He was four or five years ago. He's too old now. Doesn't have the mobility to play in that position anymore. So, he would be getting rid. Um, and then, obviously, look, Ronaldo has... As Ronaldo always has, does he just finds a way, doesn't he? Gets the goals. Um, I didn't necessarily think their group was that strong in terms of the teams that were in it. Villarreal played unbelievably the first leg, or the first time they played United away. They should have been two or three nil up. Obviously, didn't take their chances uh, to kill the game off and gave you know you the chance to come back. When you're at home, front of the Stratford end, etc., you're going to get those moments, just like kind of Liverpool at Anfield to an extent. Atalanta play lovely football, but they're always suspect at the back. And um, with the style of play, they tend to invite it on. I think um, I think I agree with you. That the, I think kind of the teams that were in that group kind of weren't as good as they they could be. Like Villarreal this season in in this both the Spanish league and the Champions League have underperformed, but have been able to scrape results. Like they they ba- they barely made it through. And I think what helped them was, especially in that last game where they were fighting Atalanta for who finished second. Um, obviously, it had to be moved slightly, um, um, the fixture. But Atalanta weren't helped with the amount of injuries that they suffered this season. They've had quite a lot, yeah. Quite a number of injuries and quite a lot, number of um, first team regulars out injured. And I think that's probably. Them. I honestly thought Atalanta would have made it through in that group um, over Villarreal. 
but um, obviously Atlanta might might have a run in the Europa League instead. Um, yeah, so kind of looking at Villarreal, obviously their knockout uh, round tie is against um, Juventus. Um, could you see maybe them causing an upset there because they seem to play better in knockout football rather than group stage, maybe? So once again, like uh, obviously last season. To be Arsenal in the semi, because um, they were solid at the back. They don't tend to necessarily score an awful lot of goals. Um, obviously, they did in the final game when they needed it against uh, Atalanta. So, um, I think the biggest thing Laurel are missing is, is that one kind of standout key player. Um, I think that's probably their that's their obviously potential. Um, but I think that's probably one they're missing. That's a for example, Juventus Chiesa. Or Dybala or whoever. Um, I just don't think uh, Villarreal have that player, but could be wrong. Mightn't necessarily need it. Obviously, they won the the Europa last season without it, so could very easy manage perfectly fine. I think that's quite. I still think that's a competitive game. I I, I th- don't think you can't make. You'd make Juventus favourites. Obviously, having topped their group, especially with Chelsea in it, but you can't. Uh, you can't. It's not a. It's not a foregone conclusion that um, Juventus got through, especially after Juventus got knocked out by Porto last season. So, who knows, really? Yeah, it's going to be kind of an interesting tie for sure. That one in in the knockout because I think Juventus, especially since they've lost Ronaldo, it hasn't seemed to kind of dwelled too much in them. They seem to be performing nearly better, I would say, without them. Um, kind of in Europe, but they've been fairly disappointing in uh, domestic. So I don't know; they're rather inconsistent, like some bad results. Um, but yeah, no, I would agree with you that uh, they sit in Europe, and maybe that's maybe it's because there is Ronaldo. They're doing better in Europe that they're not having the focus and that, and they can be a little bit more disciplined in terms of defensively. If hard to be defense d- disciplined defensively when you have a player that's literally he's not going to track or he's not going to do the the press or whatever and you look at someone like Chiesa who will literally run and run and run and close down and whatever and press um he's excellent at it. he's excellent at it for Italy when he plays as well uh, it's one of kind of what makes him such a great player in terms of he has that work ethic as well as being such a naturally um gifted footballer so yeah the the I think that's probably been a, a benefit to them um, Dabala and even Morata as well. Morata puts a shift in, you know. So they have more players that are probably willing to to work harder as a team. Um, and you're not carrying someone like Ronaldo as brilliant as he is. He does come with with uh, drawbacks to an extent or negatives. So maybe that's maybe that's benefited them. But I presume uh, possibly domestically, it's hurt them a little bit more because you don't have. That that kind of goal scorer or um that guy to kind of win you win you key games. I suppose because we're we're uh, speaking about um events, might as well look at their group next, and then we'll look at the last one kind of thing. Um, which is obviously Juventus beat beat Chelsea to 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 secure. Um, and then obviously results on the last day kind of helped them secure. Um, top spot uh, in that group to get that Villarreal tie. Rather, Chelsea probably got 
an easier-ish tie now. The side that they could potentially they're they're playing can be good as well. But um, would Chelsea be happy nearly at finishing second that they missed out on maybe some of the big big names rather than obviously finishing I top? You, I think if you're a Chelsea, I think if you're a Chelsea, I don't think you fear anybody. Yeah. Uh, if they're at full, if they're fully fit. Um, they've won a Champions League. They know how to win a Champions League. That gives you so so much confidence as as a squad and a team. So I I think they'd play anybody like they Madrid beat Liverpool kind of comfortably over two legs last season, and then um Chelsea beat Madrid comfortably over two legs. Then after so yeah no I wouldn't um if I were if I were Chelsea I'd I'd play. I'd feel confident. No, I'm not necessarily like overly confident, um, because their their fans can definitely be that too. But I would, I would be confident in terms of whoever I play. I suppose the you the only three you not you want to avoid is City, Bayern, and um Liverpool. They're the they're the three. You take on anybody else, no problem. So, like realistically, if you were you were picking maybe semi-finals, they'd be your four teams for the semi-final, really, wouldn't they? If if they avoided each other, obviously in the in the draw, etc. But yeah, I, I the it was a strange one because Juventus did a real a proper Italian job, almost what Chelsea were able to do last season to a lot of teams in terms of sit and uh, hit teams on the counter, solid defensively, guaranteed clean sheet, and then scrap a goal somewhere, and that's literally what Juventus did. Um. At home as well, so. But Chelsea at times this season have really lacked a bit of a, of creativity with some of the injuries, and obviously Lukaku, whether it be Havertz has been out, so many players have been out. Mount has come back, and he seems to have hit a bit of form. But they, it's sort of games they've missed. They've missed that um creativity, uh. And then they haven't had someone, or when they've created the chances, they haven't had someone on the end of it to stick them away, like a Lukaku, who, if he gets the chance, he's going to score realistically. So I think that's been their main miss. That's kind of been a, a key factor in that. Um, so you would expect them, champions, the quarter knockout stages, they'll be generally better in knockout football than they will be have been in the group stages, really, I'd say. Um, and obviously, if Lukaku's fit, it, it really makes a huge difference. Yeah, and... They they kind of push up to to the next step, kind of with that as well, um. And I think kind of looking at, at Chelsea, I think what hasn't helped them in in the group stages, they they suffered a lot of injuries from kind of league games and stuff like that. And then obviously they had the whole COVID COVID situation, then which is affecting their league games at the moment. And you can see if they lose those one or two main players, it can have a proper kind of domino effect on the rest of the team and the other thing is well you have to remember they have they have players that are getting older now as well like that he's been an unbelievable player but Thiago Silva is 36 years of age and he's ha- he plays in a back five there's a reason why he plays in a back five because he just doesn't have the legs or whatever um as Piliqueta doesn't play anywhere near as much as what he used to play obviously they've lost Chilwell you've Alonso um Reese James has probably been relied upon maybe a little bit too much in terms of the amount of games he's going to play if he gets injured. They're a bit snookered. Um, obviously, they they have a lot of potential players that can play in the wing-back positions, whether it be Callum Hudson-Odoi or Pulisic at times has played as a wing-back. 
Like they do have players to fill in those positions, but like midfield, they've obviously missed Kante plenty. They've missed Kovacic plenty. Saul is just not working out. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I'm sorry, is just not the calibre of player for that type of team. I, in my opinion, I think you do a job against like a Reading or whatever, but when it comes into the big games, you wouldn't be someone you'd be relying on to be in your starting eleven. Rudiger is a fun, probably their best defender. You have Christensen, but Rudiger, the problem with Rudiger is a bit of a hothead. He could very easily get himself sent off in a key game. Should have been sent off in the Champions League final, in my opinion. So, yeah, I don't know. It's... Uh, it's going to be interesting. But if they can keep their players fit, they can beat anyone. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and that we'll have to see kind of how it plays out for them and see kind of if they're going to have a busy January to bring in maybe players to, to help with that whole kind of injuries and thing or bring in some, some talent um, and maybe send Saul back to let go altogether and cancel his, his loan deal. Um, looking then at the team that they're going to be facing in the the knockout stages in their group, which is Lille, Red Bull, Salzburg, Sevilla and Wolfsburg. So obviously the surprise name to crash out there was Sevilla, who are usually a regular and always successful. But sure, now they've dropped into the Europa League. They're probably going to have a, go- have a good run knowing them. Yeah, with... Are Lille still... A really decent side. Like they lost a few key players in the summer, um, as transfers. Obviously, Mainan was was a big part of them, and defensively, and he he went to AC Milan, um, and that, um, and then obviously Jonathan David, young Canadian star, who's really stepped up to the plate kind of this season, and um, after Osherman. Uh, um obviously went two seasons ago to, to Napoli. Obviously that was a big loss for them, but he's really stepped up now to the spot. And obviously Lil were surprise winners of the, the French League last season. Are they now showing that maybe there is one or two French sides that could challenge P- PSG or could perform also in Europe? I suppose Lille differ from PSG in terms of don't have that one maybe like one or two world-class players they have players with a huge amount of potential very young and once again play really nice attractive football and fast pace and a lot of technical gifted footballers I give Renato Sanchez there who has been linked with some massive clubs actually been linked with Liverpool quite a lot um, in the last kind of couple of years, um, so it'll be interesting to see how he he gets on. Um, he's done brilliantly there. But then you have someone like Yulaz uh, up top. You know we've been banging him in for the last two three seasons. Just a ridiculous rate. I think he's thirty six as well. Like you know what I mean? Just mad in terms of the quantity of goals he's scoring. So who knows? Kind of um, they can definitely give Chelsea a game. Uh, you would you would still fancy Chelsea, but. Um, they topped their group. They um, they topped their group. They were still probably pretty comfortable in terms of like throughout the game. You didn't really see them not topping the group. It was always kind of between Sevilla and whoever. Uh, it was between the other three really in terms of who finished that second place. Um, in terms of how kind of competitive those games were, but Lille seemed to be quite comfortable throughout. So, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I uh, um, Chelsea were very fortunate, obviously, that they got the same team twice, basically. Um, and probably if you're picking, you're picking a team from that pot, you would have picked maybe a Lille or one of the other teams. But yeah, so um, definitely a challenge for Lille. You're Chelsea. You're probably looking forward to the game, but who knows what happens between now and then? But there's definitely, I think it'll be a. Uh, I think it'll be a good game to watch because I think it'll be quite a uh, technical, and I think, um, I think there'll be it'll be a decent standard. Of- yeah, I agree. Like Chelsea, look looking at who they could have got, they could have got Ajax, they could have got uh, Bayern Munich, they could have got Real Madrid, um, and that was it. Like the rest were all, were all English sides, so they pretty much got. I would say. Now, I'm not trying to say Lille are a bad side, but they got the easiest tie of all the teams in there because they've missed out on Ajax, who literally scored the second most amount of goals to Bayern Munich. So it would have been a very difficult tie playing them. So Chelsea got, a like Man City, they got a lucky draw nearly um, for them rather than the the other two English sides who who got tougher draws. Um, And Lille, I actually like... Their, their side because they have a lot of youngsters a lot of talented youngsters who I there's a few players in there that I would love to see even potentially come to Arsenal potentially down line because obviously Arsenal needs some, some, some talented players but there are players I could see easily come, come into two or three different big sides like Arsenal or Spurs or Liverpool there are players that you could easily see fit into those sides um, and then Looking at the other side in there, obviously Red Bull Salzburg, who um kind of first made their their big name, obviously when Haaland was playing for them in in, in the the group stage, um and they obviously knocking the likes of Sevilla and Wolfsburg out, who are decent sides as well, isn't an easiest thing um to do because as the the Red Bull side seems seem to perform and do very well in the Champions League. So obviously the way that they're looking after players or bringing players through their developments, like majority of the, the, the two sides, it's like literally they bring up these young, talented players and then sell them to like a big name club like your Madrid or your thing. And you've got obviously the biggest name for them at the moment is Adeyemi, who's only 19 years of age yeah. and already looking world class um i th- i think the the start what's striking about the success of salzburg in the last couple of years i think it really highlights the where the game is at the moment and how um the philosophy of high intensity pressing style football seems to really work like obviously bayern do it um liverpool do it did he do it? Obviously, they've kind of their own kind of hybrid kind of version of it in terms of their possession based game, but they do press, um, not net the same level as maybe, maybe uh, Liverpool or or a Bayern, for example, but they still do press. Um, that that kind of philosophy is kind of coming to the fore and it's it's a su- success at the moment. And you would have had a period of time where teams maybe that sat and were pragmatic and counterattacked were successful for a period of time. Or you had Barcelona who it was tiki taka. It wasn't there was obviously a pressing element to it under Pep as well. That which obviously but if they didn't they they were more under a period if they didn't get the ball within a certain 
time period, whether it be 10 seconds or something, they'd drop back into shape and then they'd sit um, until they kind of regained the ball. But the the success of Salzburg at the moment clearly highlights that Jigen pressing uh, and that kind of heavy metal football is what's successful at the moment. Uh, how long that'll be the case, I don't know. Um, obviously, uh, Randick at United now was obviously potentially going to bring that in as well. There's definitely been evidence, even in this first couple of games, that they're definitely pressing already. Um, so, yeah, be interesting to see. Obviously, United had success without it in the Champions League. Whether that was purely Ronaldo or not, time will tell. So, it'll be interesting to see if, if Anik's able to implement that successfully. Will United get maybe potentially further than what we expected and do uh, and do a Chelsea like last year, get a new coach and then win a Champions League? Let's hope not, but who knows? Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Salzburg play lovely football, really attractive, loads of goals scored. Um, yeah, so they'll be they'll be exciting to watch. It'll be a good game. Obviously, disappointing Liverpool had them and then obviously got Inter instead. But um, be interesting to see how they get on. Yeah, and and the thing for them is the they're getting a very big name to play in, in Bayern Munich now as well. Um. So for the Salzburg players alone, it's going to be a big chance for them to show potential what you do because it's very it it it's easy easy enough for you to go to the Alliance and actually get a, a good result there and then bring it back home and win at home. So they could easily they could get a, a score draw and then literally win one or two nil or two one or something at, at home. It's a, because when they play at home, they look very solid of a side as well, and they seem to have that type of thing. It's very hard to go and play them at home. In terms of the atmosphere. But what I will say as well is it's going to be a bit of an audition for the Salzburg players, because we know Bayern like, are so good in terms of their recruitment. They see anybody there straight in, um, and obviously there are links there in terms of Nagelsmann uh, was obviously at Leipzig, um, and then Salzburg are also technically a feeder club for Leipzig to an extent. So you could very easily see so if someone does the business or performs over those two legs, something could be agreed in the background. You could see one of those players going to Bayern next summer. So um, that, that's another that's another opportunity for those players in terms of if I impress myself here, I might get myself a big move across to the Bundesliga next year. And I think that that's the one. Like you look at Ayemi now, he he could really say to himself, "Now he's only nineteen, and you go look, Lewandowski's coming towards the end of his time at Bayern Munich. This could be my chance to impress against Bayern Munich, and then they go, okay, well, you will bring you in, and you can be the replacement for for Lewandowski. So it's exciting for them as a, as a team because no matter if they get hammered or hockeyed off the pitch or or whether um they they get a good result in they're they're getting that experience of playing against a, a big big side and it's 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 a win win for them really because they're getting that experience they got through the group stage which is a big step to do in the champions league it's not very easy to to get through um so a lot of the players will just be happy to even experience that and majority of them will probably move on to to better things anyway. Like what they've done in the past, like you look at some of the players that they've introduced that Human Son, I believe, was with them. 
Mane, obviously Haaland, the, the 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 talent they've produced is just phenomenal. Like I remember someone putting together a team and the team that they put together, you could easily have seen them challenging for a Champions League trophy with just what they've produced in the past. And it's just scary how how Red Bull have done this investment into a club like that and a club like Leipzig and what they can produce from it is just scary, to be honest. Yeah, it's just a short period of time as well. And you think of all the players that have gone on to bigger clubs, obviously, Pumpa um, Makanu went to, to Bayern. Then you have Kanate, uh, who Liverpool signed, and he's still very, very young. And these players are only going to improve, but they were already to a certain standard at those clubs. So it's a real testament, to obviously, the recruitment and obviously the the coaching staffs at the coaching structure that that they're able to find these diamonds, develop them, and then sell them on and and make money and then invest that back into the club. So it's a model that's working at the moment for them. So fair play to them. Yeah, and I suppose. I think the last question I have then probably on the the, the Champions League is um, is there maybe a way kind of going forward that you could look at maybe the Champions League changing the structure of how it's done that teams are rewarded more for things? So maybe, you know, the way automatically... English Spanish sides automatically get four qualifiers and say down the line you look at maybe the French teams if the French teams are performing better than Spanish teams or stuff like that should you see maybe the French teams maybe getting four spots or the Italian teams like but that's all to do with the coefficient yeah. so if the the teams perform for a period of time in Europe they have the potential to yeah. that for that to happen or and for but like England have been so dominant now the last few yeah, seasons yeah. in Europe, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Realistically, um, Bayern by themselves, by design, probably if they get to large stage again, they keep the coefficient going. Um, Spain will always seem to to have, especially with Madrid. Potentially, they're going to get teams going to the large stages. PSG by themselves are flying the flag for, for France. Obviously, Lille are starting to pop up now as well. So I don't know. I they, Potentially, do you see maybe a Portuguese with how well the Portuguese sides are doing? Um, should have nearly had three teams go through the knockout stages. Should, will they get a, will they get a fourth one potentially? Like, you don't know. So, um, but I, I like, I like where it is at the moment. Um, the Italian sides potentially, like Napoli, are probably too good for the Europa League. Let's be honest; they probably should be in the Champions League. Um, they have been obviously in previous years in terms of where they finished up in the league last year. But so I, I'd, I'd say it's it's hard to to give unless unless they go to a semi final or a final with the French teams or Portuguese teams or whoever. I don't see I don't see that to kind of the position's changing too much. Only other potential one is maybe the German league, purely because I know you have Bayern and maybe Dortmund with their, and Leipzig, but you seem to be missing that fourth maybe team to make it kind of competitive. That would be the only thing. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those things we're going to have to keep a close eye on to see kind of how UEFA do it. Maybe if they go for restructure and they were saying that there's potential restructure coming to the 
Champions League down line over the next few years. It'll be interesting to see kind of how that plays out as oh, well. The only thing I will say as well is that like when you think of what they've done to Europa League and then the Europa Conference League, I don't think the Champions League needs to be changed. I think it works very well with how it is. Um, I definitely don't want more teams. I don't want more groups, and I definitely don't want more matches. I don't think anybody else wants many any more matches, especially for their respective club. They play enough matches through the course of a season with all these cups, etc. So, um, and then on top of all, every international thing. So, from a player welfare perspective, do I want any changes made to the Champions League? Absolutely not. I think it works perfectly well the way it is like for example now in the Europa League I know we haven't really touched it tonight but they have that that section now where the teams that came third in the Champions League are playing teams that came second in the the, the Europa League in that kind of high before the last it's like a like a 32 and the team the group winners have gone straight to the last 16 so the winners of this tie will just go into the last 16 so those other teams get a rest, but these teams are playing an extra two matches. So is that necessarily fair? Um, I don't know. But look, uh, especially considering I know, all things aside, the teams that have finished third in the Champions League are still coming from a higher competition. Like they have to qualify to get the Champions League. So for them to kind of be punished to play a team that came second in the Europa League doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me. But look... UEFA will do what UEFA does anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose probably that's the best place to finish. Like we've covered plenty on the Champions League across kind of the, the group stage, across the different teams and kind of covered a vast area. So uh, I think we've done plenty uh, probably for um, today's episode. Um But uh, thank you again, Rui, for joining me for tonight. Um, it's always great to have you on. Thanks, Kano. Enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to um, obviously the Christmas period now with the, the games and then obviously look forward to uh, maybe looking in a bit more detail closer to the time in terms of the form of the team before the Champions League gets going again. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll do a um, kind of halfway through season review of the Premier League alone as well, um, just to kind of look at kind of how the sides are kind of in a further episode. Uh, a big thank you to everyone who listens into the podcast regularly, even after kind of our short breaks that we've had kind of the last few weeks, just with things, me going to the football match and that kind of has collided with my schedule. But um, plenty more episodes to come in 2022. Um, uh, so keep an eye out for that. Until then, thank you for listening and subscribe for more.